Hi, everyone. I hope you're staying safe and warm during these winter months. Today's episode is about me and my dream. I want to let you in on why I'm doing this and where I want to go with it ultimately. I hope you enjoyed the first four episodes. I'm pouring in a lot of time and energy into making this project worthy of your attention. So I hope from the first four episodes you've learned something or at least have decided to open your mind up to a different understanding of child health and wellness and ultimately life. The first four episodes were to give you an inside look at how someone's childhood and parenting experience can differ when you come from a minority culture. After hearing each story, you can see how it's extremely important to understand these differences because it is the story in which that child grows up. These experiences will help shape a child's understanding of their world, what their capabilities are, and how far their dreams will go and what they end up believing about themselves. The more we can understand and learn what kind of environment a child is growing up in, the more we can understand who that child might become, and maybe somehow we can learn to empathize with them as adults. If we were willing to understand child growth and development, we can begin to develop preventative therapies that can help children grow into healthy adults with manageable health care needs. It's easy to have a one-size-fits-all model. A one-size-all-fits model just doesn't work in a society like ours. We are heavily abundant with diversity here. If we want to do better for our children, then we need to begin seeing them as the individuals they are. School systems, including administrators and teachers, and healthcare providers need to develop some level of cultural competency to fit the diverse needs of the children they work with. What I am asking is for them to be curious and ask questions and not rely on their own judgment to understand what is truly going on in their life. Some communities, like the black and brown communities, have been systemically held back and have not had the ability to move forward due to the injustices that have pervaded our society. These injustices trickle down to the children, and many black and brown children start at extreme disadvantages, making it nearly impossible to catch up. Unfortunately, these issues end up continuing into adulthood. I believe this is true for most things when it comes to our childhood. Problem areas or issues in our childhood that don't get sorted out or discussed continue into our adulthood. Many of my friends who came from so-called broken homes, where their parents' marriage was rocky or ended in disagreeable divorce or separation, grow up to be adults with their own issues in romantic relationships. There are research studies out there that show that these children grow up more apprehensive about marriage and suffer from anxiety when they do decide to commit. This anxiety may linger in a relationship and then into a marriage and then even after having children. And thus, this kind of makes the cycle continue. But what if we can break the cycle? There is a group of us that refer to ourselves as cycle breakers. Many of us believe in education and promoting preventative therapies that can help break destructive social, mental, and physical cycles that have major consequences on our long-term quality of life. This can range from poor communication skills that were picked up in our childhood that can cause us to be misunderstood, to poor eating habits that we may have absorbed from our parents' own relationship to food. 
If we can educate at a young age, we can prevent these issues from continuing into adulthood. Childhood is an experience everyone on our planet goes through. It is something that connects all humans. It is something we can all agree on is an important part of the life cycle of a human. Important developmental processes happen in our bodies that set us up for life. If these processes get disrupted, then there are major consequences with overall development. A big example that I see as a pediatric dentist is something called molar incisal hypoplasia. I know that's really hard to understand what it means, but molar incisal hypoplasia pretty much, if I were to break that down, is molar is your back teeth in the the back. They usually come at six years old. And then you have your incisors, which is the front teeth that you see when you smile. And then hypoplasia is the weakening of enamel. So now I'm going to get into some dentistry because that's kind of what I know. Um, Your tooth has three layers. The outermost layer is called the enamel. And then the next layer in is called the dentin. And then at its core is something called pulp tissue, which is where all the nerve tissue and blood vessels lie. In the case of molar incisal hypoplasia, The outermost layer of the tooth, which is the enamel, is just weaker. Specifically, this happens on the permanent incisors in the front and the first permanent molars in the back. These sets of teeth develop at the same exact time in a baby. And if that baby gets sick with something like a cold, cough, or fever, it affects the development of that tooth. If that happens, there's a higher chance of that hypoplasia, that soft enamel. The thought process is that the illness caused disruption during the development process of the tooth and out comes this soft enamel that covers the whole tooth and they have varying severities. It can be mild, moderate, or severe. And there are um, possibly other reasons for hypoplasia to exist on these teeth, but this is one of the main reasons. With this hypoplasia, when the teeth come in, you will usually see like that the teeth are discolored yellow, orange, or brown. And since the overall integrity of the tooth has been compromised, these teeth generally get cavities really easily, and the long-term prognosis of the tooth is usually questionable to poor. This is a clear example on a small scale of how important the growth and development process really is in long-term outcomes. I even see how childhood trauma from a dental visit can then translate into adults with dental anxiety. This understanding completely changed the way I practice. I started to see that the experiences in our childhood heavily shape who we are as adults. So these adults that have really traumatic childhood dental visits, sometimes avoid the dentist, neglect their own oral hygiene, and this ends up having major consequences on their long-term health. A bigger social picture you should actually consider is the lives of some children that grow up in orphanages where they're really neglected. These types of orphanages usually exist in countries like Russia, Romania, and India. Many of these places don't have enough funding or staff and don't have the time to pick up crying babies to help soothe them. So these babies continue to cry until they learn that those calls for help will not really be met with any sort of assistance or love. So consequently, what happens is some of those babies turn into children that have behavior abnormalities like rocking and banging their head and squawking and making weird noises. 
this need for human connection and attachment where the child feels safe and secure to navigate the world is essential for overall growth and development. I believe prevention is key to solving a lot of health issues. If we can help prevent disease, it could truly change how we view health and even how our health system works. I believe prevention can truly start at a young age to have the most impact. So over the years in private practice, I pushed myself to learn every technique that can help children understand the importance of their oral health. I have intimate conversations with their parents and figure out what I can do to help prevent decay in their mouth. I try to treat children as part of a family unit and choose to understand family dynamics because it allows me to treat my patient better. I extend my talks to parents about topics outside of dentistry to make sure they get connected to important healthcare providers and that that these healthcare providers can help aid in the overall well-being of this child. Because my passion is in overall health and wellness, because I understand that the mouth is connected to the rest of the body. Beyond my day-to-day career, I'm a member of the Associate Board of Chicago Children's Advocacy Center, and I've been a part of this um, organization for about five and a half years. The center is the frontline responders for child sexual abuse cases, physical abuse cases, and witness to violence. They use a multidisciplinary approach with help from the Department of Child and Family Services, local police, local justice system, healthcare providers like medical examiners and mental health specialists. Volunteering with this organization has given me so much more motivation to join them in the fight for the well-being of children. They are the real heroes because they fight a fight that many of us shy away from. This cause is actually very near and dear to my heart. It's mainly because I'm a survivor of child sexual abuse. I spent my 20s dedicated to my college sorority, Delta Kappa Delta, which focuses on child abuse prevention awareness and children education. I suffered in silence for many years and now finally decided it is important to tell these stories because they largely exist in our society, but are hidden from the surface because of the uncomfortable feelings we all get from knowing that these problems exist in our world around us. I believe the more we keep in our shadows, the more it haunts us and silently grows. We need to begin shedding a light on these major crimes against children because the trauma is lifelong. My intentions are to help. I hope you as my audience understand that. When I was younger, I suffered from a lot of these issues. Child sexual abuse, breathing issues, sleep issues, hormone issues, bullying, reading issues. I'm not alone in in this. I believe many of us have similar stories. I want to build something that can help families, teachers, school administrators, pediatric health providers better understand the children they interact with. The last thing I want to touch on is that I currently have limitations. If I'm going to be honest with you, you have to understand that about me. My knowledge currently lies in the realm of pediatric dentistry. I spent the last 10 years developing an education to get myself here. I hope to expand that knowledge through a series of podcasts and blog posts by interviewing experts, leaders, innovators that can broaden my understanding. At this moment, that is one of the main purposes of this project. I am curious. I want to learn. I am open-minded. I am lucky to live in a country where I have an extraordinary number of resources at my fingertips. I have the ability to grow my ideas and truly make a difference in the world. I'm going to try my best to base 
my information on facts and data, but in return, I expect all of you to fact check me. It is important that there are checks and balances in this world. I am open to feedback, comments, constructive criticism. Throw me anything you got. So please feel free to email me at bloomingsmilespodcast at gmail.com. I am looking for people that want to partner and grow this idea into something that can truly help communities. If you are interested in helping me build this further, please feel free to email me at the same email, bloomingsmilespodcast at gmail.com. I'm truly excited for this journey, and I'm so excited for all of you to join me along the way.